Welcome to Tangent Island. My name is Winter Mitchell Rohrbach, and I'm so excited to start this journey. I think this episode is the best way to sort of set up the purpose of why I created the show and the tapestry of what this show will become. And I think a lot of it has to do with many things that I'm going to get into, but it's, I think 2023 was a deep introspection of my life and my journey thus far. I feel like this podcast serves as a transparent reflection of the past two to three years and what I've been going through as a creative, as a woman, as a black woman, as a wife, as a stepmom, as just a person, a friend, a daughter, all of those things. And, you know, I think stepping into my truth now as it is now, I've always been authentic. I've always been transparent, but I think that the time calls for an urgency. And I don't know if it's just aging or if it's just the temperament of what we're going through collectively, but you know, I wanted to sort of dive deeper on these things that I touched on during Waiting to Exhale and maybe it just, the the environment didn't call for it. Cause you know, you don't sign up for a pop culture podcast to hear somebody talking about all their shit. You want to talk about pop culture. I still love pop culture. I still want to talk about pop culture, but I also want to talk about it in the context of sort of my life and what's happening in my world since I work in entertainment. And a lot of the work that I do uh, does deal with the human condition. I am working with outsized personalities who you would probably not know in their real life aren't that outsized. They have a job and they go out there and they do it. Um, And the one thing I've learned, I think the most from working with my clients is that in order to be successful, You have to have that quiet time. You have to have something for yourself. You do so much for others. You have to have something for yourself and you have to have something that will allow you to continue to foster creativity and continue to allow you to be successful. And you have to have a good team around you and you have to have a a good partner around you, somebody who can understand what the demands are from you. And you can learn through your work that you do for yourself, uh, how to be good to them because you're dealing with such extreme, uh, scenarios in your professional life. Um, and I'm not a celebrity at all, but I do have to weigh the fact that the work that I do seems, you know, outsized and it is in a lot of instances, You know, throughout my career, I've been put in situations that have been incredibly uh, momentous and outrageous. And, you know, most people don't have those experiences, but I try to remain humble about it because I'm not the celebrity and I'm not (laughs) I'm, I'm a byproduct of of whatever happens in that outcome. But I'm I'm not you know, immediately being affected by it, you know, they're being affected by it. And at the same time, I'm still just a regular person. So I'm not looking, I don't want to make the mistake that I'm looking at this through some weird lens where I think that I demand all that attention. I think because of the work that I do uh, uh, makes it so that I have to 
work in these environments, you lose some of yourself because you're of a service to someone constantly, right? My work means that I have to be of service to someone. And once work becomes your whole entire life, you can forget who you are. I definitely forgot who I was over the last few years. And I spent, I think, the bulk of 2023 reorienting myself back into the mindset that I am here for a reason and a purpose. And part of the show is about that. There's a shifting landscape. And I think a lot of what we've witnessed over the last three years has created a different type of need for people personally. People are struggling and people are trying to win. And I want people to win. I want you to win. And I think the one thing that was holding me back more than anything was the fear of being perceived. Uh, Perception is really hard to stomach when we live in a world that demands that you do all the things. You be on social media. You go out there and put your best foot forward when you're in the workplace. You have to be, uh, you know, on the same level as your partner or your children or whomever that you um, are responsible for. And it got me thinking about, you know, some of the situations I've really taken personally, specifically, I don't know if you guys are following this, but, you know, Taraji P. Henson during the tail end of 2023, I don't want to say she had an outburst. I don't want to say that she fell apart, but she she stepped into an honesty that is, you know, 20 years ago when Mariah wheeled out that ice cream cart onto the set of TRL and kind of had a meltdown. It wasn't because she was she was obviously struggling mentally, but it was because she had had enough. She had been pressed pressured and put under such a microscope that she couldn't even get it out what she wanted to get out. She couldn't express herself the way she wanted to be perceived, right? Everybody had another, everybody was applying another perception to her. And I think with Taraji, there was a frustration that she expressed that seemed very, very cogent. And I think the, 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 she was referencing the fact that she had uh, not been paid what she should have been paid. She never really inferred it was on the color purple, uh, the musical, which just came out and is now streaming. But she was basically saying she's done all this work. She's, she's been on all these successful shows. She's been nominated for an Oscar and yet she can't get the dollars that she feels like she deserves and people will be like, oh, you're whining. Oh, you're rich. Da, da, da. And it's like, no, that's not about it. It's not, we're dealing with this even in a regular day and age where you're not a celebrity. Your worth and your value and your contributions should be remunerated. You should be paid what you're worth. And if people keep telling you you're not worth that, you're going to start feeling like maybe you're not. She was saying, I am. So pay me there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it, it, it allowed me to sort of have an introspection about what are you doing? Who are you giving this to? And are they receiving it the way you're anticipating or hoping that they do? And, and there was something that was so interesting about 
you know, that press rollout because they immediately wanted to drag Oprah. And that becomes a real tricky situation because you got to go back, y'all. Oprah is Oprah. And I just sort of went through like all of the things that she had contributed to the culture, that she contributed to women, to commercialism. Like there are things you can debate probably wasn't the vibe and she shouldn't have been, you know, a part of. But then at the same time, it shifted so many conventions just by her very personhood. Her very professional career has exhibited and produced so many different opportunities and reflections, right? Like you can think about an Oprah and how many other Oprahs are there? There are not many other black female billionaires like an Oprah, but how many more black women are on television? How many more women who are plus sized? You know, we look at Divine uh, Joy who just won a Golden Globe and you know, she's won all these awards for the holdovers and she is a plus size black woman. That just did not happen, you know? And it, the, the thing that I struggle with is because her role in the holdovers is somebody who's of service. She is a housekeeper, a, a house manager, a, a, a maid, a cook in the movie. And she serves as sort of like, I hate using this word, but she is there to provide comfort and she's there to provide like a service to the other characters. And, you know, most women, black women in roles like that, that's kind of, you know, they get championed for being in that best black friend, uh, emotional mule ro roles. And I think she is bigger than that. And she's shown us that many times beyond the holdovers. So when Taraji Henson feels like she's gone outside of herself in certain areas. And then, you know, she's in this huge movie from an iconic film, from an iconic book, Alice Walker's book. And she's being treated in this environment the same way she'd be on any other production that maybe wasn't predominantly Black. She's starting to feel some type of way. And I think Black Hollywood is... Um, I don't want to say a renaissance. I think there are a lot of things that are changing and shifting about it. But primarily, you know, I look at some of the people that are shifting perception. Um, you know, Donald Glover is one of those people who I think shifts perception of Black men, right? And he makes a show like Atlanta which really delved into all these different conversations about blackness, about the music industry. Um, and it had that Afrofuturism vibe that I loved because it also felt surreal. There was so much surrealism in the show Atlanta that, you know, black actors and actresses and black themes don't get to have sort of stretch and be weird and, and, and goofy and awkward, you know, uh, Issa Rae is the same type of creator where you're just sort of trying to change the expectation of what you would see when you turn on a screen and see a black woman in her twenties. And yeah, the generations have shifted and yeah, we're not 
kind of back there anymore, but we are definitely entering a new frontier. And so my heart aches for Taraji Henson because I have been there. I understand what she's saying, where you're not being valued, you're not being worth, you go and do something to work with iconic people like Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey. You have this huge studio of Temple film opening, you know, during Christmas and you're just not feeling the vibe. You're just not getting what you need from it. And you thought you were going to get what you needed from it. You thought that you were going to get everything that you wanted. Everything that you wanted, right? The awards, the attention, you were going to get the accolades. You were going to get new work. You were going to get to be able to sort of up your rate. And I feel for her because there's a definitely, there's definitely been that moment for me. I've definitely been in situations where I just knew that I put my best foot forward and I tried my hardest to be of service and it wasn't received the way that I had intended. So is it me? Is it them? You don't know. The check is kind of like the result, right? The continuation of the service is kind of like the result. And then immediately, kind of while all this was happening, Regina Hall, who I love, we love a Regina Hall moment. Regina Hall gets a role in a P.T. Anderson movie opposite Leo DiCaprio. I mean, y'all, that is, it may not mean anything to a lot of people. I have a lot of friends. When I posted about it in, in Instagram, they were like, oh, I hate Leo. How can you hate Leo? He's harmless. He sleeps with models. Who cares? They were like, that is huge for her. And it's huge because it's rare. It's really rare to give a black woman an opportunity to be opposite someone who can literally draw in box office off uh, a box office who can draw in the box office, who can draw in uh, eyeballs and audiences who will allow her to be seen because more people see him. And that societal recognition is, is kind of what you need to have in order to be successful in Hollywood. It's just the reality. So there's two different flip sides, right? There's the perception that Taraji is dealing with where she just doesn't want to be perceived. She doesn't, there, there, there should be no expectation that when she walks in the room that you're going to not see her stretch and evolve a character. And at the same time, while her commentary is quite valid, her feelings are valid, you see an amazing moment like this for Regina Hall. It's not about the Leo thing of it all. It's about her being seen for her contributions and her work. And finally, she gets a wide release film that's not a scary movie film um, that she gets to be able to flex her chops. And those are the moments that we're looking at. And when I think about, you know, how Black Hollywood is sort of shifting into this other age where we can finally be seen in a way that doesn't limit our opportunity. And I don't do those types of, I don't do that type of work. So what do I need to do to be seen in a way that is super authentic to me and transparent and at the same time widens the opportunities for me? I think podcasting is 
it. I should have been doing a podcast like this a long time ago, but I had to get there step by step, right? I couldn't just jump from one part to the other. And so this is an opportunity for me to thank Karen so much for being my podcast partner for multiple years, where I think four years, three, four years, where we were able to do that show and able to stretch ourselves and decide and determine what we wanted as women of color, you know, decide how the direction that we want to go into. And there's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a pattern that I am trying to break of just being on autopilot because there's a delay in personal growth when you just sort of float through life. But I know a lot of people are capable of that. And I know a lot of people um, probably are doing it right now. You turn the podcast on, you're just listening, you're kind of taking it in. But I'm really trying to find a way to break free from drastic, uh, destructive actions and become constructive. And when I say drastic, destructive actions, I'm really saying like, and I've grown, right? Like I haven't been stagnant in this way forever. I've obviously grown as a person. I'm 40, I'll be 44 February 6th. But I think that destructive can mean different things depending on where you're at in growth. Destructive for me is maybe spending too much time in bed after the alarm has gone off and then deciding I'm going to work from bed and then deciding I'm going to order DoorDash and then deciding I'm just going to be there until two o'clock and then take a shower. Some days that works and some days you need it, but I'm trying to change and shift that out of my consciousness because it doesn't really help me. Not all the time. I think being more uh, honest and, and, and productive is not like some of this Jay Shetty shit. And we're going to talk about that because I feel like, you know, much respect to the Jay Shetty's and the Mel Robbins of the world. But a lot of that information does not work for uh, all women, all people of color. We have to really break through and create the opportunities that we need and want. 2024 felt like the perfect time to do that. I'm an Aquarius, true and blue. And we're entering the age of Aquarius, even though that's debated. And then we're entering, we're in Aquarius season. And never, not in a long time, have I felt like this is my time. You know, when people are like, this is your time. This is your time. People used to say that and I would never believe them. Because I was like, what do you mean? What's that mean? This is your time. But now I actually, I'm getting emotional. I actually believe that because all of the effort I've put into even getting to this point, setting up these lights, doing my makeup, having the right camera, having the right mic, having the right equipment, that stuff took time. That was not an instantaneous situation. I am not a salt burn child. I do not have the funds to just blow up and roll, roll up and have, you know, everything brought to me. It makes it sweeter that I had to work for all of this. It makes it so much sweeter. And redefining your identity 
while still being yourself and not shifting too much, I think that you can evolve into something. I think waking up and deciding you're a different personality the next day is people do it. I've never been able to be successful at that. Because when I walk into a room, people see me how they see me. I'm perceived before I even get a chance to defend myself. And why do I have to think of it as a defense? I think it's a gift when I show up someplace. <laughs> and that can sound so egocentric. I don't care. I've worked so hard to, to, I'm going to work so hard. I've done the work to make sure as I get older that when I show up, I'm trying to bring a positive experience. I'm trying to bring a fun experience. I'm trying to get people to hear me and hear me now. Because if you miss it, you're going to be like, dang, I didn't listen to her. She was right about all of it. And it was funny because I was thinking about how, like, I hate Megan Kelly and that is a fact. But she was dragging the shit out of Lauren Sanchez because Lauren Sanchez got new bangs, which I didn't love, but that's okay. People are entitled to make um, mistakes with bangs. Bangs are often a mistake. But she, you know, went to celebrate Jeff's birthday in like a negligee, black net, vanity, Apollonia looking, vanity six type of outfit. She's, she's over 50. I'm sorry. She can do whatever she wants. She can absolutely do whatever she wants. I'm not living her life. I'm not in her life. If she's waking up every morning at 4 a.m. with the trainer, if she is drinking all the green juice, if she is injecting and lifting, whatever, that is her life. But she is on her own journey. We're all on our own journey. So sort of like the the deciding factor of it all is like, can you can you be yourself and evolve into the spaces that you're now the rooms that you're now in without losing self. If you know anything about Lauren Sanchez, she used to be an anchor here in Los Angeles. She's always been with the pizzazz and the glam. It ain't nothing changed about Lauren Sanchez. She used to be married to uh, an agent at William Morris. She was always on this vibe. Jeff, on the other hand, you know, all the stuff with, you know, child labor and peeing and cups, he's always trying to sort of move and duck because the perception is there. He's an evil billionaire. He's got a $500 million yacht. What do you need a $500 million yacht for? Truly. You guys, no one needs a $500 million yacht, including Jeff Bezos. They don't. I'm here to tell you that. First of all, they're expensive to run. You need a whole staff. I don't care that he has money. It's just waste. Then you have to pay for like fuel and food. Then you have to hose people because like no one is going to just come to your $500 million yacht without expecting like you're going to have all the stuff ready for them, right? Like you're going to have all the things you know, the, the, the soaps and the towels and the perfect bedding and, you know, oops, I forgot underwear. Do you have some? Like, these are the types of things that these people, they're living on a, my, my, one of my 
really good girlfriends, Ashley Becton said, like, there is this thing in a world that we will never understand. And that's fine. That seems like a lot of responsibility. And Biggie said it best, mo money, mo problems. I don't need that. But I'm contemplating all these things, right? I'm contemplating a, a, a space and time that is moving very quickly. Um, and I think that just happens when you get older. Life just sort of shifts in a way that things happen unexpectedly that you weren't anticipating. If you plan against something and it doesn't come out, you've got this level of disappointment. You know, for me, I get extremely disappointed. And I think it was worse when I was younger. And now I'm realizing I can't change things. I can't change the past and I can't change somebody else's actions, but I can control myself. So I want to use this show as sort of a exploration of personal experiences that aligns with the cultural shifts. I've changed as a person as culture has shifted. And I've been on a transformative journey, but this isn't like a multi-level marketing thing. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, but I know a lot about myself and I know a lot about dealing with people. My job is to work with people. My job is not only to work with people, but it's also to make that person be an influence to people. And with, that's why I only choose to work with people that are making positive contributions to the world, mostly comedians. I love that. I love being in the environment of people whose main sole job is to make you laugh and think. And it's an inspiration. And I've been inspired so much, even when I was going through so many tragic things last year, dealing with um, my fertility issues and going and getting these embryos and then being excited and then scared. I was scared to death after I got those embryos because I said, it makes it real. And it would have been so much easier if we could just, you know, and I can be pregnant, but that wasn't working. And my expectation over the course of my life, what I've been taught is that that's how it works, right? That's how it happens, right? But then thank God for science because science finds another way. And that's all well and good. And I'm really happy and I appreciate it, but it became like a, there was some distance between the process and the outcome because everything had to be down, done down to a science. I had to take shots at a specific time. I had to obtain them from crazy places. Israel is one of the places I, I, I obtained them from. I had to spend a lot of money out of pocket. I had to drive to Santa Barbara to see my fertility specialist because the fertility specialists in Los Angeles are overbooked, crazy expensive, don't really like working with plus size women, don't really have a lot of black women coming in there. 
I wanted somebody who understood. I wanted somebody who cared. Asking for care from a physician or a specialist in 2024 is crazy. But I wanted to have an experience that was positive and I had to fight for it. So it kind of drained away the positivity because everything about getting to that point was so arduous and negative. So I'm trying to re-engage the positivity of it so I can get those eggs, right? And then my husband almost died. He had a really bad accident at home. And it was the stuff of horror movies. If I had not woken up um, while he was in the shower and he collapsed into the shower, broke through the glass, fell through the glass. If I had not woken up, um, I'd be a widow. I think about that every day. I'm saying minutes. If I were minutes late, if I heard noise and been like, oh, whatever, and slept through it, this would be a very different podcast. I think about that every day. And that is a trauma that I'm also trying to process through this show. My intuition allowed me to be there. And I had taken my intuition for granted for so many years. And I'd never, I chalked it to like timing or I'm smart. So I put the pieces together. I used to be a journalist. I watched a lot of unsolved mysteries, you know, and it's, it was a God shot. That changed my life completely. Because I realized that I was so accustomed to just sort of letting things be and be an autopilot and being lazy about things. But it was the lack of lazy and the concern in the situation, I look over and he's not there, which is not, uh, you know, something that happens a lot, but you know, people go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I thought to myself, what if I had just not activated my thinking? Most people don't activate thinking in the middle of the night. They're trying to sleep. It also made me understand mortality. We are so fragile as a people. We are so fragile. It could be done like that. And that's just something that I will probably never get over. But I'm working on it. I'm appreciating every second I have with him.
and thankful and grateful. I had a few losses over COVID, not even just my own. I've lost friends. I've had, you know, colleagues and associates that were in our community take their life. This is an opportunity to really express gratitude. There's a delicate balance between self-discovery and societal expectations. And in the work that I do, navigating that, you need community. You need people you can trust. And you need to be healed or in the process of healing to center yourself, to be ready to pounce. That experience with Alan has taught me how to be ready to pounce. It's not the best skill to be able to act in something so traumatic, but it's um, the unfortunate byproduct of experiencing trauma is that now you're ready. Now you're playing with power because now you know what to do. I think that through the course of the show, we're going to spend a lot of time dealing with themes and fears. It's evolved. By the way, I've been recording episodes. This is, I'm recording this this week. You're going to get this this week. I'm recording this on a Monday. It's Monday, January 22nd. I've spent so much time obsessing over the creation of this show and I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I got to be honest with y'all, I don't care. I don't care if five people listen to it. I don't care if 500 people listen to it. I don't care if 50,000 people listen to it. I am going through the process of building something all by myself because I have to. It's led me to this point. I have to create. I'm a creator. Could I have done this in my 20s? No. Even though I thought I could. Could I have done it in my 30s? Nope. Even though I knew I could. Now I'm completely, fully committed to bringing this every week, to talking to y'all and staying connected to y'all and talking about my life and the exciting, funny, crazy, weird things that are going on constantly. It is nonstop weird. I'm going to save it for, I have to save it for the BOCO. You guys need something for the BOCO, but I had, Alan and I went to lunch yesterday with our neighbors who are Zionists and... (laughs) Woo! That, woof, that was a heavy conversation because I'm very liberal and I also have to understand that there are two communities hurting from this. Um, and they are very matter of fact about a lot of things happening in the Arab-Israel uh, conflict in the Gazan conflict. And I walked away from that conversation. I think I would have been shattered. I think it would have been extremely judgmental um, years ago. I still have a lot of judgments, but I also feel like people aren't entitled to how they feel, right? Who am I to 
change their mind, independent of how I feel. I think we have watched that backfire. I can continue to lead on feeling how I feel about things. And those are my personal feelings. Um, I exhibit a lot more empathy for a lot of different scenarios. Um, but I can't change somebody's opinion and I'm not going to, and I'm definitely not going to force it. And I thought to myself, you know, what I was driving home with Alan, I was like, you know, the, one of the things that I love about being able to do a podcast is I can have people whose uh, our lives are different than mine, whose opinions are varied than mine. And that's going to be exciting to have these sort of dynamic conversations where I can sort of push through my emotions, my feelings about things, but I want to be challenged. I think people sometimes are afraid to challenge me because they know I'm going to be like, uh, uh, uh. and the reality is I'm tired of fighting that because there, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop fighting. It doesn't mean that there's a more constructive manner of fight in me. And there is, but I'm open to hearing somebody's perspective because that's exactly how you learn to understand the worldview that we're in. Everybody's like, I don't have time to hear what the MAGA says. I, I, neither do I. But how are you going to know how to fight certain situations if you don't have a strategy with some intel? My job is communication, social impact, fighting for the little guy. That's my vibe. But I need all kinds of information. I need data analytics. I need to hear other people. That's how you pull it together. That's what focus groups are. So I think, you know, in the course of the show, you're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to be like, what the hell? What the heck? And I want you to go, what the hell and what the heck? You know me. You know me forever. I, there's a lot of things I stand on business about. You know that. I stand on business about. But I always find it funny when someone is just on that other, on a whole other vibe. And it's just hilarious to me because I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, this is a wild conversation. So the expectation is that we have a show every week. Sometimes I'll have guests. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll talk about things in the theme. Sometimes I'll just talk about, you know, what's going on in my life and find a way to make it tie in because I will go on a tangent island. But the exciting thing about this is that I feel like evolving your voice can take many shapes and forms. And this doing this will help me with my writing. Doing this will help me be a better person overall. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm the best person ever. I'm a pretty good person. But I know where I need. I know where I can be better. And making this commitment to you is, is my promise. So... This is our pilot. And then you're going to have BOCO if you signed up um, at the $7 level. And that's going to be with myself and Alan talking through sort of what I hinted at here on this episode. And then we've got more episodes coming up. If you joined at the $7 level, you're going to have three different three episodes you can choose from. I welcome all feedback, by the way. I really do. 
um, I want to hear from you because this show is not even possible without you. And I want to make sure that I am speaking to the people that have been with me the entire time. And I want to engage with people who may have never even listened to the show, but heard me on a podcast before. But I'm super excited that you're here. I really hope that the takeaway from this is something positive or thought provoking for you because it is for me. And after this segment, I will come back to you with an outro and three things I will leave you with. Welcome back to Tangent Island. I'm your host, Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh. Every week, I'm going to leave you with three things that just warmed my soul and feels like a necessary resource either for immediate gratification or just long-term. These three things I loved this week. Um, One of them I've been using as a resource for a long time and has been specifically specifically resourceful as we're entering the age of Aquarius. I talked a lot about sort of like we're entering this new phase, this stage. It means something different for every sign. So I can lean into it uh, as a Aquarian, but I can't speak for like all the other signs, right? Like you got to put your thing in. If you're into that sort of stuff, I know not everyone is, but if you are into that sort of stuff, then I absolutely want you to dig into this. And don't worry, I will link them all in the show notes uh, if you don't get them through the recording. If you if it doesn't make sense, I'm absolutely going to give you the resources every week on links if I can, if it makes sense. If it's not just a general discussion, I will link to them so you can take part as well. The first one is Grupo Venus, and that's G-R-U-P-O Venus, like the planet. And it's a astrology birth chart report site that has literally every report you can think of that will sort of help you understand. Now, you have to believe in this stuff. Like, don't make fun of me. You have to either believe that there's some, um, and yes, I have earrings on. I had to have a meeting, but this is, this is the, this is how it goes when you're producing things by yourself. I had to go into a meeting. I'm just pausing here. This is a tangent. I'm just, I had to go into a meeting with a client and then I had to come back and record this outro. And I felt like I needed these hoops for the meeting. It is what it is. Um, but for those listeners, you would have never known the difference. So I just brought it up. So now you're thinking about if, if you if you're interested and you're listening, they're gold hoops. So now you have the visual. Uh, but Grupo Venus, back to that, um, has every kind of report that you would be interested in um, on this site. You sign up, you put your information in like you would typically do. You put your name, your date, your birthday, where you were born, the city you were born in, and the time. Not everybody knows their time. Um, and sometimes that's kind of annoying for people because it, you think that the accuracy is is connected to the timing. And it is, but not everybody knows that time. If it's, it's usually on your birth certificate or you ask your parents, um, mine is 4.54 a.m. Um, but if you don't know it, just put noon, just put 1200. And I can tell you that the reports that they give you, and this is in real time, are yearly horoscope, 
vocational guidance. So that's like to help you understand like what kind of job you'd be good at. The child report, it talks about how you were as a child. Um, the adult report, like how you are now, if you're an adult listening to this. Um, they have one called flower essences and gem. I just, that's a little too woo woo for me. Uh, chakra healing, where, which chakras are your strengths? Which chakras, chakras are your weaknesses? Um, they have a past life report. So it tells you like who you were or what you were like in your past. I know it's crazy. Don't just stick with me here. Stay with me. A compatibility forecast for your partners or somebody you're interested in, a crush, maybe your boss. Uh, I'm not saying you're crushing your boss. So maybe, you know, I had a client. Um, I, they, they weren't a client. They were, I was training or what's the better word to say this? I was creating a proposal and shadowing for a little bit. Um, Naomi Campbell. And I didn't, and I, the job was mine for the taking, but I, I feel like the intensity and considering the time that this was all occurring, wasn't going to match with where I was, but I will tell you, I met with her and the first thing she texted me after I sent like a proposal and a mock Instagram, sometimes you mock Instagrams to sort of show people what you're, you're capable of. First thing she responds back with, not nothing about the Instagram I made, nothing about uh, <laughs> the proposal that I sent over. She wanted to know my birth date, my time, where I was born and my full name. And I just sent her my birth chart. This is so Los Angeles. That's about, that's, that's not even the most Los Angeles thing that's ever happened to me, but that's very LA. And she's lucky I was born in San Francisco. So I was fine with that. I already had it like teed up and ready to send to her. It also tells you about your solar and lunar returns and then just a general interpretation of your astrological chart. Now you get things for free and then sometimes you have to like, pay a token, right? And the lowest amount is like 10 bucks. You get like three or four reports. And sometimes that's all you need. You don't have to go overboard. If you're worried this site looks like jank and crazy because it has like Comic Sans and the logo, ignore that. I actually find comfort in the aesthetic of the site because the information is so on point, y'all, that I would rather you spend more time giving me exact the exact information I need and not going crazy on a web design. It's the dirt and the details. Sometimes it's just the little things. Next up, you're going to this is going to sound crazy. This is a sentence you've never heard before. You're going to be like, what is she talking about? Um, Polly Shore wants to play Richard Simmons. And this has been an ongoing thing for like the last few weeks. It's been sort of revving up because we're literally coming into like the tail end of the, the beginning of, of Sundance as of this recording. And, you know, people are shopping movies, indies, all those things, looking for interest buyers, you know, studios to, to place them in. And Polly Shore wants to play Richard Simmons, which I, I wasn't at first interested in this at all. Don't care. No desire. Um, and it's not like an affront on Polly Shore. I think Polly Shore is actually for the time, y'all, it was necessary to have a Polly Shore film on or to check him out. He, I do think he's wildly entertaining, but I went to his YouTube and watched the short. There's an actual short. So I was surprised that there was an actual short, um, that he'd already produced and shot and stars as Richard Simmons. And when I tell you that I bawled, 
that I was like in a curled fetal for like three minutes after I watched it. It is so poignant. And I mean, I don't know if we need a Richard Simmons movie, but I think we do. If it's going to be anything like this, it's so special. And I just was really surprised by it. And it's nothing more than a, a scene, sort of a, sort of a quick segment, uh, with Polly as Richard comforting a stagehand who keeps screwing up while he's about to go out on stage in like an Ellen type show. Um, and I just, he's, he's giving him reinforcement and telling him he's special and to ignore all the stuff. And I know food is a comfort, but this is kind of how I deal with that. I allow myself to sometimes indulge and then I bring myself back because I know that I'm loved, you're loved. It was beautiful. You just, I'll drop the link. You got to watch it. I know that sounds crazy and weird, but it was really, really good. It was really, really good, y'all. I loved it. I know that sounds crazy, but I loved it. Growing up, Richard Simmons was like everything. My mom had a Richard Simmons gym membership. He was everywhere. It was just like a thing to be into Richard Simmons. You couldn't get away from him. He was so ubiquitous. And it's kind of iconic that he said peace and has not been back. <laughs> and he stuck to it. Who sticks to their ideals like that? Who's committed to being like deuces? Not a lot of people, especially as much money as he was making. So kudos to Polly Shore for that and shout out on all of that stuff. Um, definitely check it out. You will, I would love your feedback on it. If it doesn't make you cry, money back guaranteed because I was sobbing. Also, I'm doing screen drafts again. And for those of you familiar with screen drafts, you already know what I'm about to endure. Uh, but for those of you not familiar with it, it is an amazing podcast. I've been a guest on multiple times over the last two, three years. Um, I'm on there like tw about twice a year. And the show mainly consists of us, me and other commentators, writers, journalists, whomever coming together to build the ultimate best of list, depending on the genre, the celebrity, the actor, the actress, whomever, the influencer, the genre, whatever it is. We are tasked with either watching an entire filmography or watching a specific, uh, specific films from a genre. And then we debate it and then we place it. And then it becomes the official, unofficial best of list. So I've done a bunch. I've done Whoopi Goldberg draft, which I really loved. I've done Black Love draft. I've done the Hugh Grant draft. I did, uh, I think I, it gets blurry. I definitely did the Planet Hollywood draft, which was a mega draft, which was eight hours. So this is like marathon training uh, that you do as a podcaster because you're watching these films, you're doing your own podcast, um, and then you're training into, for this marathon of talking. It's a lot. Got to stay hydrated. Got to do all those things. But we're doing Stephen King this February, which I'm super excited about. And as I'm going through the films, I'm watching a film uh, or two a day leading up to this uh, recording date. I have to remind people um, that 1408, starring John Cusack and Sam Jackson is such a good movie. 
And, you know, when you talk about Stephen King, you talk about a lot of the movies that everybody knows. And if you're a casual Stephen King fan, you probably have your favorites. You either lean towards more of the drama like Green Mile and Shawshank, or you lean towards more of the visceral horror like the creep shows, um, you know, the carries. But 1408 sits somewhere in the middle of that. It is very scary. It is definitely a horror. It's a spellbinding performance by John Cusack. I mean, he is struggling this entire movie and it takes place all in one hotel room. There's some, you know, location stuff around the film, but the centerpiece of the movie is him being trapped in this hotel, dealing with his ghosts and the demons, all of them. And, you know, when you, when I first saw it, I saw it in theaters and I definitely thought it was, you know, a durable, sturdy uh, John Cusack movie, uh, a Stephen King story. But then the longer I have distance from when I first saw it, the older I get. And obviously the more I think about sort of what we toil with as we get older, you know, you get older and you start dealing with um, the memories and the things that you've had to contend with, they build up. That baggage gets heavier. So, you know, watching someone process that in basically their own personal hell is quite compelling. And it was really good to sit down and watch that when I did. And then I'll be watching more. I'll have, I have to watch the entire filmography. Yes, I have to watch Dreamcatchers. Not excited about that. Don't really want to see it. The only two that I haven't seen that I am nervous about seeing upon a first watch and then having to talk about are Shawshank and Green Mile. You're going to be like, what? And I'm going to be like, those aren't my favorites. We'll talk about it more uh, as we get closer to Halloween, probably, because I feel like talking about my obsession with horror any other time, and this is not a horror podcast, is probably out of place. It'll come up from time to time, but... Um, I'm excited about Stephen King. I'm excited about starting the year with the screen drafts um, and it being horror. Everybody knows I love horror. So this is going to be really exciting. So if you have a chance to check it out, please uh, tune in. You're going to need to have to set some hours aside for it. So if you've got the stamina, go for it. You've been listening to Tangent Island hosted by me, Winter Mitchell. I produced this with the support of my editor, Brad Parsons, and also supported by my video editor, Fareed Frisbee. Give the show five stars where you can, anywhere where you listen. It's available everywhere you stream it. If you want to listen to the bonus content, uh, Tangent Island Staying Afloat, you'll need to sign up on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Tangent Island. We also have other elements like you get to see the video of this and you'll also get a newsletter from me once a month. I'm not trying to overextend myself. I'm not trying to set you up for a downfall. So at the end of February, everyone's going to get a newsletter from me. It's going to be a combination of sort of the things we're talking about, a little bit more musing on that. Nothing too heavy handed, just something from me to you and I hope it has a lot of resources that you actually would want to use. That's my goal. That's my aim. This is a self-produced show. I am doing this for the first time by myself. I want to thank all of you that are listening. I can't 
lie and say that I'm not nervous about doing this alone, but that's the challenge. The challenge for me is to see if I can do this on my own. And we're off to a great start. One whole episode. We'll be back next week with more new content. And please follow the show on Tangent Island at Instagram. I would love to hear from you there. DM me all the things, ideas, things you want to hear about. Everybody's always like, write the book. Well, I don't know when I'm going to write the book, but if you have specific questions, you can always at me on Twitter at Winter Mitchell or at Winter on my Instagram. I'm here for you, babies. I'm here for you. I'm here for myself and I'm here for you. I got to be here for myself first and then I can be here for you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.